One by one, they saw them flicker out. It was slow at first, but the pattern became apparent soon after. How our stars began to dim. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with creator Josiah about his upcoming game, Star Set The Great Dimming. Take on the role of a spacefarer in a game where even the creation is dangerous. Set out into the dark and explore what awaits us. We talk about ship design, art, desire for community, and hope. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am very excited to be looking at one of the, I, I think, Josiah, I said it to you, one of the most AAA looking indie titles I have ever seen. So, oh, man. Josiah, thank you so much for coming onto the show to talk about Star Set, the great dimming with me. Oh man, it is my pleasure. Just that comment alone has warmed my heart enough to make it worth it. So I'm happy to be here, Zach. It's audience like mm, this thing is so. Pre- the we were talking about artists. We're going to talk a little bit about the artists in a little bit. But holy crap, this book looks gorgeous. The front cover on that landing page for the upcoming Kickstarter looks absolutely stunning, and you've got a very cool aesthetic and i don't want to get too much into it now because i'm getting excited and i don't want to ruin that conversation by making it not flow nicely but before we start josiah can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in the space yeah absolutely so i'm a college guy um i'm 21 i started making games in high school um and i really got into the space because i noticed there were a lot of people myself included honestly uh, mm-hmm. in like my late teen years that were just having like a hard time integrating into really good friend groups and really good community. Yeah. Um, and yet as I got older, I just noticed that was so important to adjusting and to feeling, you know, really satisfied about like yourself and your life and, you know, having those people you can connect with. Um, and I noticed that role-playing games were just such a great way to do that. Cause you get to, you know, play a character and you get to share a world and share a story with other people. Um, And it just brings people together in a really cool way. And so I launched Hoodwink Games uh, in spring of last year after creating games for a couple years, um, really with that mission of trying to create a community of gamers, you know, my age or any age, really, that just kind of need people, they need community. Um, And, you know, for young adults, especially who are kind of adjusting out of college and into apartment life or, you know, at a new job or something like that. Um, And then getting this in their hands as tools for building that that friendly community. Um, And so that's kind of how I got started. And then this particular game, it's kind of an offspring of a lot of different ideas. It was a setting that I've wanted to explore a lot. I love sci-fi. It's mechanics that I've really wanted to dig into, which I think we will a little bit later, of mm-hmm. a little bit more risk-reward and resource management. Um, and then a theme of hope in a dark place, which I think is just so important. Um, I'm a Christian, and you know I find my, my hope in Christ, but I know that you know there's a lot of different things people are struggling with, particularly post-COVID. And so yeah. the point of this game is just to get people to ask, you know, where's my hope at? Where can I find it? And then giving them community to find it with. Mm-hmm. And if I'm remembering correctly, Josiah, and I think this just kind of clicked into 
place for me. You are also the designer of basic and generic, right? That's correct. Yep. Yep. Do you want to give just like a little bit of a hit on what that is so people know what some of your development was like? Yeah, absolutely. So basic and generic is a modular generic role-playing game. So uh, generic in the sense that it's kind of like GURPS where you can play in any setting. Um, And it's modular in that it's broken into kind of three sections and you get started with like 10 pages. Like it's really short, very rules light. And then each section adds more rules and kind of builds it up in complexity and builds it up in like tactics and stuff like that. Um, and so it's a really great method for getting people into role-playing games who are kind of intimidated by all the pages and rules of like Dungeons and Dragons, um, because you can get really get started so quickly. Um, but then it's a great method for continuing play because if you're more experienced, you can play with like all three modules and you can be playing alongside someone who's just started with the first one. So it creates kind of a good gray space for everybody to kind of get started and learn the genre, learn the game, and then kind of move into bigger things. It's super interesting to me. Bag is this open-ended system that works really well for what it's delivering. And we're going to be looking at something that's a little bit more focused. But before we get really into Star Set, you had mentioned that you're a college student. Mm-hmm. And something that I find interesting about both that and the development of Hoodwink and finding community is a lot of that's probably happened during the course of the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like setting all that up during the chaos that was that? It was sobering a little bit. Um, It was difficult. So I had just started freshman year at college and I'd found just the best friends of my whole life. Um, And we got to spend a semester together and then, you know, a couple weeks into the next semester. And then we were told that we're all going to be going home for like nine months. And I live um, on the opposite side of the country, really. Well, Michigan, so about 11 and a half hours from Virginia, where I go to school. Um, Still. And so it, it was difficult. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, it made me start thinking about, you know, what am I missing out on while I'm here doing classes on my computer? And it was really like I miss seeing people's faces and having those inside jokes and those interactions. Mm-hmm. And I had made a game um, in high school that was sort of the original basis for Bag. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started picking that back up and I was like, man, this is what I want to like. I want to do this so I can get back with my people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's rad. That, that's how we got like, started. Yeah. I'm glad that you were able to get that from COVID. I know that it was a time that really sucked socially for basically all of us, but there's been so much cool stuff that's developed because of it. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many of these amazing role-playing games we'd have if COVID didn't exist because I know that this podcast wouldn't exist without it. So it is really cool. You know, there's those dark times and we're kind of going to get into that in star set. There are dark times that come. Um, but as cliche as it is to say there, there is silver lining sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Bible says that God can work all things for good. And for me, you know, it worked out being really good. I got to spend time with my family that I hadn't in a long time. And um, before a lot of life changes that came right after, and I got to start this journey. Um, yeah. And so I'm kind of, that's a little little bit of what I'm trying to capture in Star Set too, which is kind of cool that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. So million dollar question then, what is Star Set the Great Dimming? 
Yeah, so Star Set the Great Dimming is a grimdark resource management role-playing game. And it's set in the world of our own world, our own solar system, less than a thousand years in the future. So very similar tech. After mankind has kind of crawled and scraped its way to fill the whole solar system. And as machines and satellites and mega corporations are starting to take over and sprawling, you know, we kind of lose sight of the stars. And as people finally make it to the Kuiper Belt and they expand to fill the whole system, they realize that the stars have started to go out while they were away. And they realize that the Oort cloud is collapsing on the solar system and that within two or three generations, humanity will be gone. And so it's this this tipping point in humanity where there is the height of hope and technology in the darkest situation we can imagine. And it's explored through some really heavy um, role-playing mechanics, some uh, dice management. So you start with dice pool and then use that as you know your life counter and your skill counter and uh, all kinds of facets tied to that to kind of build the expectation. And then a really rich lore setting that lets you choose your own adventure to build your character so you're ingrained in it from the start and then explore what it's like to find hope and what would seem like a really crisis event. It's one of those things that is kind of terrifying because it feels like even though like there's a lot of hope and there's like a hopefulness in this game, there's not really much of an answer for Mm -hmm. what's going on. It's so much bigger than the player character. So who does the player take control of in this incredible lore and in this world? Yeah, the player is just an everyday person, really. Um, So unlike D&D, where you're an epic hero who's kind of given the responsibility to fix everything, you start off as just kind of the the low guy on the totem pole. (laughs) Um, And there's not plot armor in it. You know, there are NPC Mm -hmm. name drops of huge figures in the solar system, but they're a person like anybody else. And if you role play your way into encountering them, you know, you can kill them relatively easily compared to things like, you know, CR 30 monsters or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you, you really have to learn by experience and that's reflected too in the leveling up of your character. It's not an experience point level. It's just, as you roll, you'll, you'll roll certain things and then you'll gain an experience point for how you rolled. And then that Mm -hmm. will let you level up your skill. So it's very gradual. It's very role play heavy. Um, and it's very much, you have to figure out what you're going to do with your group of people because the world's not just going to bend around you. You have to figure it out. I really like that. There's another game that was on the show right at the beginning called Veil the Void that also has that skill building kind of system. And I always love that, especially because you're seeing it more. I, I always think about how frustrating it is when you're playing D&D or some other games that are in that same vein and you roll like a million stealth checks and your character never gets better at being sneaky and whenever i get to see a game like this especially a game like this have an increase to those roles and those builds i think it's so so cool it really shows your characters growing yeah yeah 
And that's not to say, you know, anything's necessarily wrong with how like D D or another game does it. I definitely oh, no. think that there's a place for those. And you yeah. know, our game is like not the greatest ever or anything, but I think it does what it does really well and it does something pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it does do really well is tension. Tension's mm-hmm. incredibly vital to this game. Tense scenes built around uncertainty. So how does the game and its system build tension to match the scenarios? Yeah, so at the start of your turn, you get a number of dice called your vitality, and that's your dice pool. And it's um, we're still hammering out through playtesting what exactly that's going to be, but it's probably going to be mm-hmm. about 10 dice. Okay. Um, and then you can spend those to uh, try to accomplish an action and you have to roll a certain number of checks based on your own skill um, to determine whether or not you succeed. And so you, there's an action economy there because you can choose to roll, you know, five dice on one action to try and really make sure that that works Mm -hmm. or, but you can only do that twice on your turn or you can split it up and you can try and do like five different things with a very slim probability of success because you're only rolling two dice. Um, mm-hmm. Or there's even the option that you can spend three dice to just take a check, to just take the guarantee. Um, but then obviously that's not very sustainable because you'll burn through your dice pool. And then oh, if you overextend yourself or you take damage, then that knocks your vitality down. And on the start of your next turn, you get fewer dice. So if you're getting slugged at or you're you're in a crisis situation and you're failing, you start to have dwindling odds. And so you have to make a calculus on whether it's worth staying in that situation or moving on. Um, and it's that risk and reward that really keeps players on the edge through the whole, every combat, every crisis situation, everything in the game. What was the drive between tying your health and the dice pool together? Yeah. Uh, well, we, we're trying to find... Uh, a cool new way to implement dice pool because I really like dice pool. I mean, it's fun to roll a lot of dice mm-hmm. for sure, but it's just, it's a, it's interesting to try and make the checks. I really like the wrath of glory or wrath and glory system for Warhammer 40 K loved how they okay. implemented it. Um, but it, you know, it's been done a lot, so we really don't need another just, you know, more or less generic dice system. Um, and really, like you said, want the tension. You know, you want to feel the mechanics. And as a game yeah. designer, I believe that if you're going to create a setting and you're going to create a system, the two have to interact for it to be a real good gaming experience. Mm-hmm. And so just wrestled with all kinds of ideas to how do you make the player feel tense when the character is supposed to. And that just seemed like the best way to do it. I think that makes sense because you have the the risk you've mentioned the risks of failure, but on top of that health and losing dice and not being able to succeed checks that your character might normally be good at, but due to circumstances are really dangerous. So having this ludo narrative design between the dice and your HP is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. That being said, yeah, what we're, we're still tinkering. Oh. oh, sorry. No, you you go with it. You you go. First oh first. yeah, we're we're still tinkering with it. You know, we we've got a lot of sessions to play yet before it goes to print. Um, but the concept itself has opened so many cool doors that I think people will really enjoy when they get into the role playing of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it it's great too because down the line, if you want to make a new system that uses dice similar, like let's say you want to do like a a fantasy game. This could work really well for that too, in a very different way. But 
this this is a very flexible, very interesting way to use dice to tell a story. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that actually. So uh, I've written a, a fantasy novel um, that really enjoyed. You know, it was fun in high school, and I've kind of gotten some good feedback on it, but I haven't really had the outlet to publish it. And so I was yeah. talking with my my dad a while back, and he was saying, you know, it's such a cool setting that if you could release a game with it, that people felt like they were a part of the story, that would be such a cool thing. And it made me think of Star Set because it really is, it creates the feeling, but that feeling is present in so many different settings. Um, so maybe that's something we'll explore down the line in a fantasy sense, now that you mention it. It's kind of a rad way to handle it. Don't worry, you can keep that one for free. Don't don't worry about paying me for that idea. They <laughs> <laughs> will have to send you a little something as thanks. Got to pass, pass the pennies around. <laughs> it's, well, it's certainly pennies sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> the labor of love. That's how we put it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, nobody goes into this field looking to get rich. So... <laughs> No one's the next D&D. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but I wanted to know, like, what are some of the other mechanics that work for the character that maybe aren't out there and as known lately? What are some things that you're playing with? Because this game hasn't actually been backed yet. It's going up in, I think you said it sometime January, you're aiming to, to launch it. But yep, yep. what are some stuff you're looking forward to trying with, with Starset? Oh, we're having a lot of fun with it. So, yeah, so for the launch date, it's going to be January 2nd. Um, and the some of the things that we're playing with, it to start off, when you jump into it right away, uh, you have to do a choose-your-own-adventure, which I love writing. It's so difficult to write, but um, it's semi-randomized, so you're going to choose one of six phases of life to start in, whether okay. you're an explorer or a common person or a fighter or whatever. Um, they're not really classes as much as they are just types of things that you'll encounter. Yeah. And then you'll roll against the table to see what you encounter there. And then you have to make decisions. And those decisions mm-hmm. can introduce items. They can introduce skill changes. They can direct you to different phases that you'll then roll on. Um, and they, they'll add uh, keywords to your character sheet that can trigger new events as you make decisions. Um, and then the number of times that you roll against the table and make those decisions will affect the age of your character that then okay. affects some of the physical, physical things. Um, so by the time you've created your character, all of your starting items, starting skills, everything like that has been decided by your backstory in a way that you've gotten to experience firsthand. Um, so that's, that's it to start, which is a super fun way to create characters so far and a little mm-hmm. bit different from what I've seen from a lot of other systems. Um, and then in terms of items, you know, weapons and stuff like that, we have uh, a couple things that we're playing with in there. We have some where if you roll uh, a certain skill or a certain result on a skill roll with that weapon, it'll trigger special results. So it's not just a check or a fail. It's, you know, all of these different things that can cause your weapon to, you know, dysfunction or super blast or, you know, trigger Mm -hmm. these weird quirks depending on where you got it. Um, That'll be, make for some really interesting gameplay things too. Um, So those are in terms of character, kind of the biggest things. And, you know, we did away with classes because we just felt like it, you know, this is needs to be fluid because real people, you know, have real lives. Um, So it's very flexible in that sense. You know, we kind of touched on the, the skill advancement. You advance a skill just by using it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
and that makes for very organic development too. Um, so all of those kind of things play together to make a cool experience. One of the things that you had sent to me in the original pitch for Star Set was a lot of people will die, but the ones who don't have earned it. Are you mm -hmm. still sticking to those guns? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can die before you finish creating your character. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yo. laughs> I love that. That's so much fun. <laughs> yo, yo. And that's part of the tension too, because to survive your own backstory, you have to be careful. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that again, it just sets the stakes of the game. You know, what are you going into it with the mindset of, because as you and you can't back out after you've decided to roll again so if your character mm -hmm. is you know you've made six decisions places your character somewhere in like their 30s um you decide to keep going you roll something and you realize that this is probably going to be a lose-lose situation you don't get to see the results until you flip to it like a choose your own adventure but if you get to a point and you're like ah, i don't know if this was a good idea you still got to choose something and then when you do, and you resolve it, <laughs> if you survive, man, you survived. Like, jump into the game and get what you got. Um, and if you didn't, well, you're going to be more careful next time. So, yeah. It makes your character a survivor before you've even played the first session, which is mm -hmm. rad. That's so cool. <laughs> I, I have to say, I don't get full credit for that. Um, when I was researching uh, Traveler First Edition RPG, yeah. I had a somewhat similar mechanic um and i just thought that was just epic cool and so we applied that mm -hmm. on a whole nother whole nother level that they've since kind of done away with uh, but i do have to harken back to the classics where we're not completely original in that sense but we had a fun time implementing it it's interesting because as as modern of a game as this is it does have that kind of retro feel to it like i mm. it didn't really piece together but this feels like an old school style game but a little bit more polished and cleaned up. I appreciate that for sure. You know, there are a lot of awesome games out there and I try and do my research before creating really anything, not to copy mm -hmm. or anything, anybody's stuff, but just because a lot of other people have awesome ideas. Yeah. And like you mentioned, the purpose of the podcast is just to get people to try things. And that's where some of my best ideas come from is just trying stuff and then putting it together in a new way with some of our own spark of imagination. Um, so yeah, man, major props to the classics and to be associated with one, man, I appreciate that too. Well, you're very welcome there. Speaking of retro, this art, we, <laughs> we talked a little bit about this before. To me, it's a huge draw for this game, especially that cover. You've got some very cool design choices here. And from what I understand and from what little I've seen, some very cool art. So can you talk to me about art and how it came to be and how your artists, like what, what directions were you giving the artists here? Because from what I'm aware, there are two major artists and mm -hmm. they have done an absolutely killer job keeping this book nice and uniform oh yeah yeah so our first artist well i came into the game knowing that it needed to kill her art <laughs> yeah that was that was the start um because you know a game can be a great game but it, people need to really get into it and i don't i don't know do you think it's fair to say art is the best way to do that i a hundred percent believe that like 
you can have some of the best design games, but if the art isn't great, nobody's going to pick it up. I have games that I've bought specifically because the art is beautiful. So, yeah, I totally agree. I actually have um, Cyborg right here next to me um, from. Oh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of it, but Morkborg, I'll just say ah. um, that they just kickstarted and I just had to get it because the art was just gorgeous. Um, but that's, yes, we came into it knowing that you got to have something cool, especially to make it on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And it just happened. I was scrolling on Facebook and a guy posted a gorgeous painting that he'd done of this sci-fi mech walking down like a Martian street alley. I was like, okay. oh my gosh, this is the guy to do it. So I sent him a Facebook <laughs> message. <laughs> it's like, hey, I don't know, you know, where you're at or whatever, but do you do commissions by chance? And he goes, well, yeah, I do. But, you know, I kind of work on my own schedule um, if you're okay with that. I said, absolutely. You know, I just, I want you on the job. Um, So Martin Buffery is his name over in England. If you're listening to this, Martin, you knocked it out of the park. Um, He designed our cover for us, sketched it all out, painted it, um, did everything. Mm -hmm. And then while that was going on, I reached out to Ryan Harmon, who's a fellow student of mine or was at the time here at Liberty University down in Virginia. Um, anybody, you know, who's looking for art on their games, very much recommend him. Um, and we started working on, what's that? (laughs) The ships are so cool. Oh, oh, he, yeah, knocked it out of the park on the ships. Um, and oh my word, the research that went into it, I, it was such a blessing to just be able to let him run. Um, he, we took turns researching, you know, uh, research papers that the military has done on what space warfare could look like in 50 years or 100 years or 200 years. Um, he researched the expanse and the physics behind the rail guns that they decide to implement. Um, he talked to, he literally talked to rocket scientists and said, <laughs> how will this work in space? And then not only did he figure out that, but then implemented it in these, these technical sketches that you'll see throughout the game. Um, and just, it was incredible. And what was even cooler to me, honestly, is that Martin illustrated ships without ever seeing Ryan's sketches. But when you get the game, you'll see the creative decisions that they made are make some of the images almost identical, which is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the ships right on the front has a very similar like they look like they're made by the same company as one of the blueprints that you can actually see in the page on the uh, the notify me on launch page on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Like they're super similar, but they, they're totally different artists. Like it, it blows my mind. Everything just looks so crisp and clean and the grayscaling just adds that layer of retro futurism that I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so yeah, to get those, the, the larger grayscale images besides the cover, then, um, we did use some AI art because, you know, we kind of ran out of, of time, yeah. but it was a huge blessing because I was able to take, you know, what Martin did and what Ryan did and blend them together to create that really cohesive, like you said, kind of decayed futurism vibe, mm-hmm. um, using the AI then to kind of fill in the blanks where we didn't have time. Uh, yeah. But still that all of the credit goes to those two artists. They just did a great mm-hmm. job. The best way I can put it is that the ships have that similar feel to 
Star Wars instead of like a Star Trek where everything has like a layer of dirt on it. Everything mm-hmm. looks used. It feels like when you're looking at these ships, you can see the rush humanity had to expand as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I'm glad to hear that because that's really the thought behind it. You know, when you get down to it, space is not sexy. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's, it's a it's lot of bad. nothing. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's so many things that you have to account for. Like ships don't really look pretty. You know, like you have heat distribution, you have um, fuel storage, you have uh, artificial gravity systems, you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're going to try and create a warship, heaven forbid, then you have to deal with all of the armor. But then you also have to account for the payload mass of getting it off of the planet. Um, and all of these different things that really any spaceship that you're in is just not going to be pretty at that point. Um, and so no. it was really fun to imagine what that would be like in a game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's another part to this game, too. I know that for the most part, you've worked pretty solo on a lot of other things, too. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you've worked as a team writing-wise with anybody before, but uh, Star Set also is co-written with Emily Thompson Harmon. Yep. Is that right? Yep. What was it, right what was it like co-writing? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I should have put that yeah, together, was, actually. Was, now that I'm saying that out loud, I should have put that together. No, no, it's not right. <laughs> um, it's been great. You know, it's fun to have somebody else to kind of look over everything and lend a different perspective. Um, mm. I'm still writing the bulk of it. Uh, Emily's working on adding about 8,000 words, so she's been able to hugely help with me with lore ideas, um, work on some of those plot points for the choose your own adventure. Um, she's working with Ryan because they, you know, are right together on yeah. the descriptions for the ships. Um, and so she's kind of able to fill in in those areas. And but just having another set of eyes really is such a blessing to look at because I have it all in my head, right? But yeah. it's so much more organic when it comes from multiple people, and you get to have it evolve together because that's really how the future will evolve. It's all of us kind of making decisions that then evolve together. And so building the lore that way was a lot of fun. Even it was a little bit difficult, just communicating ideas um, and making them cohesive. But I I think Mm -hmm. we got there and I think it's turning out to be a really cool piece. I'm really excited to see where it goes, especially knowing that the crew who's working on it has some diverse backgrounds. I know that you're all, you're all fairly young from what I understand as well. So Mm -hmm. just like getting these new games coming up and it's just like, it's, it's so cool. (laughs) I'm really excited about star set. I like the, I like a lot of things about it and I'm excited to see how they play out. There's some people that I know will really like this game. Thank you. That means a lot. You know, we're trying to lend as much as we can and uh, so far people seem to have liked it um, at least with bag and, you know, time will tell. We'll see if the money comes in for the Kickstarter. But I know that Ryan and Emily are really into it and they feel the same way about, you know, just finding community and finding people through games. So if we can provide that for others, you know, that's a slam dunk. Yeah, that's I mean, that's really why a lot of us are in this hobby. Josiah, at the end of the day, hope is, like you said, the kind of like the key player of this game Mm -hmm. hope is a very major theme for it how does this 
this game generate hope for the players? Yeah, I I totally guarantee like people will be able to find that. It's it's got a lot going for it. I'm super excited to see people get their hands on it. To hear that, you know, it's already coming across even before you've been able to read it. It just it mm-hmm. means a lot. It really does. Like I said, it's something to be excited and proud about. There is still though about a month, a little bit more than a month until the Kickstarter happens. So mm-hmm. this episode is we're recording this just so folks know the very beginning of December, like the very beginning of December. So we have, we're out about a month now from the Kickstarter launch. What can people expect to see during the Kickstarter? What are some of the goals or is that still in the works? Like how are you planning on handling Kickstarter? Yes. The Kickstarter is going to be really, uh, there'll be a lot of, pledge levels so whatever you can give will still get you something um if you just want to be a part of helping shape the world and dropping comments and sharing it with your friends we'll have a dollar pledge level that we're happy if you jump in on um for twelve dollars you'll get a pdf copy of the game it'll have all be hyperlinked um hyperlinked table of contents and, and uh, index um and uh, interactive character sheets so you'll be able to fill it all out on your computer um, for a little bit more, I think we're we're still working on the pricing for the print things because those are going to be the you know the bigger yeah. cost. But for about forty, you'll be able to get a paperback copy of the game. Um, it's going to be all premium, black and white, thick page. Everything is going to be glossed, um, or the not glossed. The pages will all be sealed, so it's going to be nice, thick, hefty. Um, we're working with Lulu Printing, which we've had in the past. They just do beautiful work. They do. Um, so you'll you'll have a really good thing from that. And if you want to go a little bit above that, even for 55 or thereabouts, you can get a hardbound um, copy of it. And then beyond there, you know, we're looking at building in some player manuals um, so that you can have kind of people creating their characters without needing the whole manual just to ha- kind of have that um, that choose your own adventure bit in its own pamphlet. Uh, we're looking mm-hmm. at custom dice. Uh, we're looking at building some play mats that have some of the world on it, um, or at least maps of the solar system. So you can kind of plot your, your ship travels. Uh, we're looking at, um, some, uh, GM screens with some tables and things like that. 
anything that can make it smoother or more immersive. And then those types of objects will be in stretch goals that we're going to introduce a little bit later. Um, so yeah, you can if you follow along on our Instagram, we're going to try and feature some of that here in the next couple of weeks and give you a little bit of a preview of some of the factions and some of the prominent figures in the game. Um, so if you check us out on uh, Games Hoodwink on Twitter, we'll have some of those updates. That's incredibly exciting. I know that Kickstarter is an incredibly stressful time for most creators. So just hearing that you're all prepping yourselves now is a really good way to handle it. <laughs> it is definitely stressful, though. I mean, prayers appreciated, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I also like the it, idea of that player book, because that's a game in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we want it to be, you know, we want it to be fun. We don't want people to have to, you know, fight over the manual. We kind of understand that if you ask people to do the choose your own adventure, you kind of have to enable them to without making a bore for the rest of the group too. So we want to offer alternatives and stuff um, to really enable players. It's all about enabling people with their group, their community to create this experience. Um, And we really want people's feedback too. Like, honestly, I think sometimes there's the stigma that the $1 pledge level is just kind of a throwaway. And it's really not like if you, if that's all you can do and you just want to be a part of the conversation of how we can make this a better game, and and some of the lore that we're going to be building in on it like that means so much because then we're making something better for everyone um yeah yeah i mean the one dollar pledge level is is incredible i i really like seeing people utilize that i've had to use it a couple times because it's showing support even if you can't really commit to it Mm -hmm. and there's so much happening now that we don't expect everyone to commit to it i mean you've got to feed your family you've got to pay rent like we're blessed to be able to put a lot of money into this already um but you know that doesn't mean that we expect anything from anybody like any pledge at this point is just an incredible blessing and to know that people appreciate it enough to put any kind of money into it helps make it worth it that's incredibly kind and sweet to hear from you because they haven't been on the show, but there's definitely people who do not share that sentiment and just hearing it out loud every now and then is super nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all in this together, right? Like yeah. we got to figure out this crazy life and, and have fun while we're doing it. So Josiah, we've been running for about 40 minutes now and we're going to start wrapping things up. So I got two more questions for you just to kind of clean things out and get things going. You've created a couple different things now, and a lot of our listeners who come on, or well, who come and listen, they're looking to start their own stuff. And one of my favorite questions to ask every creator who comes on here is, what advice can you give those listeners wanting to make their own game, but they don't know where to start? Yeah, start with the character sheet. I think is the big thing. Well, if, assuming you have an idea, a lot of people want to create something because they have a cool idea. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't have an idea, but you just know you want to create something, my new best advice would be jump on Pinterest. <laughs> 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 find a cool concept image, Find let your brain run on it. And then once you've done that, um, put together your character sheet because that's where everything, that's where every mechanic in the game should tie in because that's oh. the player's experience on a page. Um, so figure out what it looks like to build a character and what are you going to have to make decisions on? And then from there, really the whole manual is essentially just, uh, 
what do you do with all of the boxes on that sheet? Um, and, you know, if, as you get more experience in that, you know, then work into, well, what emotions do you want them to feel? What experience do you want them to have? Um, but honestly, star set is my fourth or fifth game. And it's the first one that I've really had to build mechanics in that create those emotions. So I don't think you need to do everything all at once on your first game. Um, really, yeah, my advice, jump on Pinterest, find a cool idea, and then jot down what you want the character to look like and how you want them to play. And then just write your manual in, uh, in how you, that works for the person. That's incredible advice. I've never thought about that. I've done a lot of these. I think this is the 80th one I've recorded. And that's super good. Adv- I never thought about the character sheet as kind of like, <laughs> your, here's all your mechanics. How do they work? Wow. Yeah. I love that. That's great advice. I, once again, I don't deserve credit for that. I found that on a, uh, oh boy, it's a forum somewhere, <laughs> RPG.net forum, I think. Okay. Somebody posted that. And that's how I got started. Um, and it worked. <laughs> Still, so, like that's yeah. a really good way to handle it. Josiah, where can people find out more about you and Starset the Dimming? Yeah, you can find out more about me on uh, hoodwinkgaming.com, where you can find anything about the company, all of our products, other, our other media interviews, um, and kind of blasts out there. If you want up-to-date information, updates on the game, uh, on our development, on me, you can check us out on uh, Games Hoodwink on Twitter. Um, or, you know, you can send me a message to my email is josiah at hoodwinkgaming.com. I always love talking to people. Um, so reach out personally and, and get to know us a little bit. Um, and there's some information on my personal social links on our website. Also, there's a little about us and how we got started. So I would love, you know, shoot me a follow on Instagram and, and a DM and we can get to know each other a little bit. And then of course the Kickstarter pre-launch page, if you just search, star set the great dimming uh in google the kickstarter will be the first page that pops up so you can follow along and get updates specifically right there as always audience those links are going to be down in the description below josiah thank you so much for joining me this week on the podcast like this was super cool and i really enjoyed learning about this game Oh, thank you, Zach. Like, this was an incredible platform. I've done a couple of these, and yours is so much fun. The people (laughs) listening didn't get to hear as much, but just talking a little bit before we started recording, so nice to get to know a little bit about you and your passion for the platform, and I just appreciate you giving us an outlet to share a little bit about these games we make. Well, thank you so much for the compliment. And audience, thank you so much for joining us. Josiah and Starset the Great Dimming finally got it. Last one in the entire show. Got that one. They're scheduled to launch very soon. <laughs> They're scheduled to launch very soon. So go and follow that Kickstarter page down in the description below and get this really cool game. Once again, Josiah, thank you for joining me. Audience, thank you for listening. Take care, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Josiah for joining me on the show this week. Starset The Great Dimming genuinely has some of the coolest aesthetic that I think I've ever seen. It's slick and has a lot of style. 
even just from a game design standpoint, I think StarSet might be one for folks to keep an eye on. StarSet's Kickstarter is going to be going live in the next couple of weeks, so I'll keep you up to date when that launches. And once again, thank you for listening, audience. This is going to be our last episode of the year, mainly because I'm having some medical troubles and I can't get episodes done to the quality that I like. Now, don't worry about me. I'm okay, and I'll be back really soon. Like, hopefully right at the beginning of the next year, if possible, that is. Until then, though, please enjoy spending some time with loved ones and friends and play something new. Give something a chance. I'll be orbiting right here, ready to see you next year. Bye for now.